0: Good morning. Can we pray please? Lord, just bring this word before you. Lord, I just want to raise you up, lift you high. I want you to be the focus of this word, Lord. And I pray that everybody in this place will have their ears open to your word and that will receive your word and they will be blessed and built up and encouraged and challenged. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Amen. Born again. Getting right down to basics. Because you all know don't you, that you must be born again. Jesus said it. Jesus said, you must all be born again. Now Nicodemus was a Pharisee leader and he'd been talking with the other Pharisees and they'd been discussing Jesus because Jesus had become very popular. In the previous chapter he'd turned water into wine so he was very popular. He had also been into the temple and driven, made a whip and driven all the money changers out. So he was notorious as well. And the Pharisees were starting to take notice and started to um, question who he was. He couldn't be the Messiah He's from Galilee. Can't possibly be the Messiah. And they grumbled and they complained. But Nicodemus was went to find out. Because you must be from God. Because he's seen the miracles. You must be from God. There's no other explanation. And Jesus told him, This great truth that you must be born again. This was a prophecy from Ezekiel. You shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. God was keeping his promise. Let's have a look at some more scriptures. 1 John 5 verse 1, everyone who believes, trusts, relies on the fact that Jesus is the Christ, is a born again child of God. 1 Peter 1 verse 3, by his boundless mercy we have been born again to an everlasting hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1 verse 23 You have been born again not from mortal origin seed or sperm but from one that is immortal, the ever living and lasting word of God I've recently started a new job so I've been meeting new people making new friends, getting to know people and um, I'm not a great evangelist. I don't go around preaching the gospel all the time. I'll be honest. I'm not, you know, I've not got that special gift, but I let them know that I'm a Christian and that I go to church and, and if you want to ask anything else, you know, I leave it like that mostly. But two of these women that I've got to know have asked me the same question are you one of those born-again Christians? And both times I said, yeah. But then I thought about it and I thought, there's not different types of Christians. (laughs) There's not like Russian Orthodox, Quaker, Baptist, Catholic. There's only one type of Christian, and that's a born-again Christian. (laughs) And I always think of what to say, when it's too late, you know, I get home and think, well, I should have said that. There's a chap, um, a friend of mine, who is a leader of a church in the valley. And a few years ago, they, they got together with other leaders and pastors uh, just once a month or to have a coffee and just chat and pray and just get to know each other, which is a good thing. So when the church leaders get together, the churches get together like we do with side and some tans and so there was he was in this meeting and um, they were discussing uh, a church that didn't have a pastor and there was someone going to the church to preach with a view to be the pastor and they were talking about this person who was going to preach and one man piped up oh you don't want to have him you'll have you all born again I told my daughter this, and she actually doubled up. It it hurt her to know, you know, what what do people think? Born again is is it like a 1960s happy clappy cult? Is that what people think? If any person is in Christ, is a new creation, brand new. We become one with him and share in his death and resurrection. I did the Alpha course at the Abba Home. Um, and Nicky Gumbel says, he described this as being born again. He says, this is this is Jesus and this is you. You are in Christ. And everything that happened to Jesus happens to you. I thought it was a really good illustration. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. We were dead in our carnal nature. God brought us to life Colossians 2, this is. Together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our sin, cancelled, blotted out, wiped away, as far as the east is from the west, behind his back, never to be remembered, nailing it to his cross. Let's just think about the cross. I can't comprehend what happened on the cross. We read in Hebrews, he experienced death for every individual person. So, I can't comprehend what went on in the spiritual realms when Jesus was on the cross. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, that by going through death, He might bring to naught and make of no effect him who has the power of death, that is the devil. So he, he experienced death for every single person and he conquered the evil one when he was on the cross. Still can't comprehend. But there was a darkness for three hours. It wasn't a solar eclipse. They only last eight minutes anyway, but there wasn't a solar eclipse at that time. But there was a darkness for three hours. What was going on in the spiritual realms? There was an earthquake. The earth shook, the rocks split. The tombs were opened. Can you comprehend that? Dead people were seen walking in Jerusalem. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had died were raised to life and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Can you comprehend that? Beyond anything we can Imagine, isn't it? Or understand. Just what went on. But we died with him. We died to our selfish nature. We died to the world. And we died to this evil age. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body I live by faith in him who loved me and gave himself for me. That's born again. It's the most important thing. We must be born again. It's much more necessary than any healing. I mean, I believe that God does heal today according to his will and plan. There's plenty of examples quite often in third world countries where they don't have access to medical help. God heals. But nothing, nothing compares to the Holy Spirit literally take a spiritually dead person and make them alive. That is the greatest miracle It's truly supernatural. It is infinitely more important to be born again than anything else. God doesn't want anyone to perish. We're born of the Spirit. It's not a feeling. Do you feel born again? the outer man is decaying yet our inner man is being renewed daily now I I do feel like the outer man you're getting older you get all things I've got a little bit of arthritis and it really hurts so I don't feel born again it's not a feeling it's faith I understand I am born again by God's word not by how I feel or impressions or sentiments. I am going to heaven because God says it and I believe God's word. Like I said before, um, we did the alpha course at the Abba Care home and one of the, one of the men that lived there, Bill, he, st- he spends a lot of time in his room. He's a safe place. He's very unsteady on his legs. And he's just he's safe in his room, in his chair, with his earphones on, listening to his music and watching his favourite programmes. So the first night of the alpha I invited him and I tried everything. So we get a lovely meal cooked by a rose. That's worth coming for that. Uh, you can sit by the door and if you don't like it, you can walk you can leave. And you can ask questions any time or you can just sit and listen uh, you get a cup of tea whenever you want one and it's only downstairs, you don't have to get your coat on and go out, It's only you just have to come downstairs no no way was he coming to the Alpha Course and every week prayed and invited him and every week he refused point blank to come and this was 12 weeks of refusing but then just before Christmas we had a carol service in the home and he came to that and he started to weep and he was really moved and he remembered how he used to love going to church when he was a little boy he went to a big church in Sabden and he loved it and they closed it down and he can remember how upset he was when they closed the church and that was it then He's in his 60s now, isn't he, Pat? In his 60s. And he went to church. Got up, got ready and went to church with them all. And he went again the next week. And he went again the next week. And he was sitting having breakfast a few weeks ago. And he said to me, Janice, I said, yeah. He have I told you I'm a born-again Christian now? <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit can reach anybody, anywhere. There's another Bill, Billy Graham. He's in heaven now. Not because he preached to multitudes all over the world, or because he raised millions for charity, or because he was a good man, husband, father, but because he put his faith and trust in Jesus and what was accomplished on the cross for him. Just the same as everyone else just the same as Bill at the Abba Care home you know when we're born again we have a birthright where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty we have a birthright of freedom freedom from the power of sin that's ours that's our birthright freedom from fear any fear, any phobia, we have freedom from that. That is our birthright. Freedom from selfishness. Freedom from me, 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 I want, I want, I want. Which is your basic human nature. We have freedom from that. Freedom to be an individual, to be your unique self, To be you, to be what God wants you to be. Freedom, no longer a slave. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery. To put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, which we cry the Father. <laughs> Being born is just the beginning. God has much more in store. To those who believed and received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. We are named, we are called, and we are counted as children of God. This is God's great love for us that He calls us His children, and we're born into a family. When a baby is born, it's totally reliant on the adults to care. Babies can't feed themselves. They can't keep warm. They can't keep clean. They can't protect themselves. They're just completely vulnerable and dependent. On the adult. And as we grow. We find we have siblings. That we have to love. That's not optional. We have to love our brothers and sisters. And we have a family. Not just here. But all over the world. I've just been to Cambodia. And I went to a a Cambodian church. And I just felt completely at home with my brothers and sisters. But we as as children of God have have to be reliant on the Holy Spirit for everything. This is where I go wrong. Many Christians go wrong. They don't totally rely on the Holy Spirit. I can look back at times in my Christian life when I've gone my own way so much When I think back, I could have have just prayed about that. Why didn't I just pray about it? Why didn't I take it to God? Learning. I'm learning to be a proper child of God and totally depend on the Holy Spirit for everything. Because he's there, isn't he? And God wants us to allow him to care for us. He wants to feed us from the word. He wants to build us up in faith. The word is light and water and our, we are soul and we, we have to produce fruit. God wants to do that in us. God wants us to protect us by his Holy Spirit. That's what the armour is for. God wants to shelter us from the storms, but we have to allow God to shelter us. We have to allow God to discipline us and educate us. We have to receive gifts from God. He wants to give us gifts as a loving father, but we have to receive them. We have to receive the countless blessings he wants to pour out on us. And we have to allow him to meet all our needs. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's generic, the daughter as well. And we can call God daddy. There's two billion people profess to be Christian. Some think they are, just because they're born in a Christian country or they belong to a social group like the Women's Institute or something. The true child of God is born from above by the Holy Spirit, And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering in this present time, which is not worth compared to the glory of God. So we have an inheritance. Not earned, passed down inheritance. And that is eternal life born anew into an inheritance which is beyond reach of change and decay, reserved in heaven for you. We are heirs by faith with Abraham. No, Abraham all those promises are for us now. And if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Abraham lived in a foreign land, and lived in tents so did Isaac and so did Jacob they were temporary residents and we are not of this world anymore we are a temporary resident and we're living in a tent which is our earthly body we're just passing through he saved us not because of any good works that we had done but because of his own pity and mercy By the cleansing of the new birth, in order that we become heirs of eternal life. We also have abundant life, that is our inheritance. John 10.10, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life, and have it in abundance, to the full, till it overflows Abundant, present in great quantity, plentiful, more than adequate, enough, oversufficient, available in large quantities now there's more now. Smith Wigglesworth, how to say that, mouth's dried up, <laughs> says this We must come to see how wonderful we are in God. And how helpless we are in ourselves. We are children. I've started to pray, God, make me usable. Not use me, but make me usable. Because we have to find a way to share this. Somehow. And we've got, I'm speaking to myself now. You've got to stop being afraid that people might not like you anymore. They might be offended. They might turn away from you. They might just keep you at a distance, turn away from you. They did that to Jesus. John six sixty. this is hard and difficult and strange and offensive and unbearable message. That's what they said to Jesus. Jesus said these words are spirit and life. Many of his disciples drew back and returned to their old lives and no longer accompanied him. We've got to get over people turning away from us. When you turn, have you been in your garden since the sun's come out? Picked a stone up and looked underneath. All the creatures scurrying to get away from the light. You hold the stone up, within seconds they've all disappeared. They've all scurried deep, dug down deep into the darkness again. Didn't like it. And don't water down the gospel. If you're going to tell people, tell people. When they ask, tell them. Use the word sin. Talk about Jesus. Don't go all around the oudies and up the ash hole. Just get to the point. That's what Jesus did. He got right to the point. The light has come into the world, and people have loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For every wrongdoer hates the light and will not come out into the light, but shrinks from it, lest his works be exposed. They can't escape. God is greater than the darkness. I'd just like to give you a final encouragement. I've been in Cambodia, and I'd just like to share the testimony um, of somebody that I met while I was there. It's wonderful. She's called Naran. She lived in a slum area with a family. In one shack, one room shack, we all lived in this shack. No electricity, no running water. And she worked in a clothing factory six days a week. Real hard toil, making the clothes that we wear. And at the factory there was a buntuan he was a security guard and they got started to go out together but Noam found out she was pregnant this brought shame on a family and a family threw her out Buntuan was sent to prison because someone had been stealing at the factory and he was a security guard so whether it was him or not I don't know but he got sent to prison he got the blame and got sent to prison. Naran ended up living in Buntoon's home, family home, which was a one-room shack with no running water. Had the baby there, wasn't wanted at all by this family. She had this tiny little sickly baby, baby girl Ratai. And one day she was down by the river wash- doing a washing. And because it was a slum area, there was debris and litter all along the riverside. And she was knelt down doing her washing. And there was a crumpled up piece of paper just lying there. And she opened it up. And it was a Christian organisation reaching out to young girls who were in dire straits of any kind. And there was a phone number. So she borrowed some money and went to a phone box and called them. And she told them a story and they said, yes, we can help you. So they came and they got her on a motorbike with a baby and all her belongings, which wasn't much. And she went with them. She could have been going anywhere. She was petrified. She didn't know where she was going, where there could have been anyone. And they took her to this place and she lived with them for two years and they taught her English and she gave her life to Jesus. She was born again there and they taught her how to cook and she served in the cafe and retired in the creche. Ten years ago, Christine, my cousin, arrived in Cambodia and she got a house and she was teaching in the school. And there was a spare room in the house, so she just sent word through the grapevine if anybody needed shelter so Naran and Ratai went to live with Christine and that was great worked out really well because Naran managed to learn English and Christine was learning Khmer and Ratai was getting properly fed and loved and looked after one day there was a knock on the door Buntuan had come out of prison and he was working on a building site. And he found out through the grapevine that Naran was living in Phnom Penh. So he, after he got paid, he, he made the journey to Phnom Penh and found out where she was living. Knocked on the door. Well, Christine went mm, a bit rough and ready, you know. Didn't speak any English. She comes in. He took one look at tie and burst into tears. Christine said she liked him straight away. And every week he came to visit. One week while he was visiting, Christine was having a lesson in Khmer. Our lovely Cambodian Christian lady was teaching her to speak the language. And she said to her, while you're here, will you just have a word with Bun and just find out what his intentions are? So she took Bun into the, the other room and she was talking for ages. And Naran came in to Christine and she said, They're talking about Jesus. So she just led him to the Lord there and then this lovely lady just led him to the Lord and he came out and Christine said to him, Why 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 have you asked Jesus into your life? you know, thinking he's just doing it, you know, to get Naran. And he just cried and he just said, I'm just so, so sorry for all what I've done. It was just the Holy Spirit just got hold of him and so Chrissy said well right now what do I do so this lady said well you don't keep a husband and a wife apart do you because in Cambodia if you have a child together you're married there's no paperwork (laughs) so he moved in and they did have a lovely ceremony and then they had another beautiful little girl called Sana there's a photograph of them I'm crying now. That's born again. That's what it's all about. God picks you up from all the debris and puts you somewhere else. Wonderful. This is what Leonard Ravenhill says. The greatest miracle God can do is to take an unholy person out of an unholy world, make them holy, Put them back into the unholy world and keep them holy. And they took me to their church on the last day. I had the most wonderful holiday in Cambodia. I was there for three weeks and it was wonderful. But that church was the best thing of all. It was five times, six times, seven times bigger than this, crammed full of teenagers. Worshipping God and being ministered to by the Holy Spirit. Because that country has seen such spiritual darkness. But it tainted the generations that followed. And God was releasing them everywhere. God was releasing them. When we left the church, the meeting, I mean I had a lump in my throat. I couldn't even sing, I had a lump, such a lump in my throat. We're stepping over bodies of people just... Out flat under the power of the Holy Spirit being healed of all that darkness and wickedness that's gone before them. And it just came into my mind, beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. That's what Christianity is, isn't it? It's not a religion. It's not a religion. Church is not a religious institution. It's not a social club. We have to live in the spirit. We have to welcome the Holy Spirit. We can't play at church. We've got to welcome the Holy Spirit and rely on the Holy Spirit for everything. You now the church in Ephesus. We talked about the church in Ephesus in um, Revelation, and there it was all good things. It was a real all good things about the church in Ephesus. And then it got a bit further down and it says But You have deserted me Your first love Repent or I will remove your lampstand from its place I think we're in a position now in this church Where we can decide whether we want to be a social club Or we want to be a spirit filled church because when the Spirit starts to move I can't tell you what will happen but it will be mighty and this place will be full and that will all be full people will be queuing up to get in that's when the Spirit moves and that's what I want for this church I don't know whether anybody else does but that's what I want for this church I want to see people born again Because the Holy Spirit is the only one that can take someone's life and change it. We must be born again. We must preach that. We must share that.